Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, the podcast where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. The interesting thing about intersections is that we all go through multiple intersections daily, and the way we navigate these determines the trajectory of our day and our life. Big time guest, uh, Dr. Jackson with us today, local hero. <laughs> what do you think? Yes, we do. This is a, a, going to be a, a great podcast today. We have no one other than Mr. Brandon Bigby Hickman, who is a local Wilmingtonian, uh, an influencer in the area, uh, and a great mentor in the area. So we are so great to have him today. Thank y'all, man. I'm honored. <clears throat> I'm honored to be here. I like y'all, man. <laughs> you know, that's always good, yeah. right? <laughs> Two great mentees in here, man. You know, in my circle. So, I, you know, I'm I'm gl- I'm blessed to be here. Thank y'all. But you know, just yeah. just give us a little bit about your background, your journey, uh, how okay. you got to where you are today, man. Um. I am originally from Wilmington, North Carolina. Y'all know they don't make a lot of us. <laughs> and I grew up right here, maybe about four blocks away from this particular building. I grew up on the north side. I went to uh, New Hanover High School. I graduated. I was Band was my thing. Mm. Uh, I also grew up, you know, four blocks that way, which would be um, Community Boys and Girls Club, 901 Nixon Street. Mm. So... I just grew up in this area, and that's where I, you know, that's where I love. And um, band propelled me to go to school. Mm. Um, I was able to see bands like Port City Classic and all those things, but you know, you had to go to school if you wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, it propelled me into a scholarship to Norfolk State University. Went to Norfolk. Um, I graduated from Norfolk State with a um, degree in um, minor in music media, uh, major in business. And I then start teaching in Charleston, South Carolina. So mm. I moved to Charleston, mm. and I taught there for a while. Well, really, my very first big gig, I worked at Foot Action. Mm. <laughs> so mm. I worked in the mall in Charleston at Citadel Mall, and then uh, I started teaching in Charleston County, which was uh, Baptist Hill High School out mm. in the county mm. uh, near Young's Island and, and uh, Edisto mm-hmm. and Ravenel. So I started teaching out there. And then I came home a little after my um, stepfather passed away. I moved back home and started teaching, and I got into um, radio. I've always been a person that wanted to be in the community uh, and wanted to serve the community. So that's like, like a little short thing, but that's what brought me back home. And um, since then, we've been been trucking, been trucking. Well, now you're representing right there on your sweatshirt. I know that's an important organization to you. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Better as Possible. uh, Me and my wife started Better as Possible um, shortly after my mom passed away. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom passed away in 2011, and um, I was depressed. I have to be very honest with you. I was was Big B during the day, so I'm laughing and joking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I get home, and Mm -hmm. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk to her. I just watched TV. It was almost like I was vegging out. <clears throat> and so um, she said, you know, why don't you start this fashion show? Why don't, you, why don't we do a fashion show with your mom? And I was like, nope, we're not about to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have time, you know. And so we, but, you know, I think she put it in other muses. And so people were coming to me, hey, man, why don't you do a fashion show? Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, all right, let's try. <laughs> and so we've been, this is 11 years later. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and so we started, we called it Better as Possible because I felt like 
every day I had a I had a teacher at New Hanover High School named Dr. Emerson. She wasn't mm-hmm. even Dr. Emerson then. She was Miss mm-hmm. Emerson. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Uh, Diane Emerson would stop us in the hall and be like, you know, if better is possible, good is not enough. So did you really do the best you really could mm-hmm. uh, on this paper? Did you really do the best mm-hmm. you could in class today? Like not even being her student at one time, like she would just stop us in the hall. And it was, uh, that was very impactful on me. Uh, and I used to say it all the time. So we said, let's go with this. And we actually added it to our board and all that good stuff. So that's how we started Better as Possible. And from there, um, the Lillian Higgins Scholarship, Port City Written Runway, the Lillian Higgins Scholarship, uh, Grits, Girls Rocking in the South, Man Up Program. So we're doing, you know, trying to do, continue to do things in the community like I, like I think it should be. That's awesome, Big B, because, you know, you and I are both uh, members of probably the most prestigious fraternity in the world, and that's yes. Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Yes, yes. And those are part of, that's a part of the charge. Of, of being a member is to, is to work in the community to uplift of your fellow man. You just said something real interesting about if better is possible, good is not enough. And right. you told a story about Dr. Emerson, who I'm familiar with, and um, Dr. Brown is familiar with. But it reminded me of a story of uh, Henry Kissinger. Mm. He had an assistant, mm-hmm. and he asked him to write a paper. And as the assistant wrote the paper, he then submitted it to Henry Kissinger. Mm-hmm. And Henry Kissinger sent it back to him and said, is this the best you can do? Mm. And the assistant got it back, took a look over it, went over it, made some modifications to the paper, sent it back. And Henry Kissinger sent it back and said, is this the best that you can do? And the guy was kind of puzzled and he said, you know, I need to have a meeting with you, uh, Dr. Kissinger, so we can talk about this. And he went in to meet with Henry Kissinger, and he said, but I'm not quite understanding what you want. He said, I asked you if this best you can do because I didn't read the paper. I just wanted to go ahead and have you Mm. write it and submit it. So Mm. is this the best you can do? Mm. So that speaks to doing the best that you can do every time because you really don't know if (laughs) the person you submitted to is reading it or not. But is is this your best? Right. Right. So that's a good mantra to kind of kind of have. Um, tell us a little bit about the work, the recent work you've been doing, you know, in the, in the community, because I'm always interested in hearing about um, that. I think right now, that's, what's on my plate is definitely helping. I I sit on the board um, for the Southeastern Boys and Girls Club mm. now. Um, that was a major role where we, and I don't like to say emerge, I like to say unify. Mm. How big is that to unify a club, two clubs that historically, and we have to be very transparent, historically, I'm not going to say didn't get along, but historically, we know why they were two clubs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I sit on that board right now, um, and I sit on one other in my neighborhood, in in the neighborhood I grew up in, sorry, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's the Northside Food Mm -hmm, mm Co-op. Very important. I've never, the only grocery store I knew that I knew mm-hmm. was on the corner right here, Ruth, Miss Ruth's though. Miss mm-hmm. Ruth would let you get a, buy you, you could buy a slice of bread, Dr. Brown. You could buy a slice of hoop cheese. Like you could mm-hmm. buy the slice, not the whole bag. She would feed the neighborhood. So that's the only thing I knew as a grocery store. You know, I know you, you go to Parker at that time, Parker's. Hills, whatever we called it, Wilson's. We go to that grocery store. We had to drive out. I'm talking about walk to the grocery store, 
That was the only grocery store I knew. So I sit on those two boards, and um, I think those this important to our community that we have food on the side and healthy choices, and um, not just and this no punch. I'm not gonna say the name of the store, but a store that. It's only a dollar. I mean, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I think there's more healthy choices with us having a grocery store in our neighborhood. Yes. Um, and it also is going to bring some opportunities to uh, different folks, whether it's, you know, jobs, pharmacists, whatever it can be. We're going to have that in the neighborhood. And I'm excited about that. So those are some of the recent things. Of course, we still are ripped the runway. We just uh, had that last month and we're getting ready to send out applications uh, scholarship applications so kids can, well, I like to say young adults can <laughs> go ahead and apply for the scholarship. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. So those are the things awesome. I'm doing now. How many, gosh, how many scholarships have y'all given out now? I mean, it's gotta mm. be a bunch, 11 years and we, I think we are on 16. It's about $16,000. A little bit was more than $16,000, 16 scholarships though. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, some kids have, have received 500, some 2000, 3000. Like that, so we we've been excited to to bless some some I guess incoming freshmen mm-hmm. because if we I feel like if I can get you there and you have a little bit of extra, mm-hmm. you know, with your financial aid, mm-hmm. uh, you'll stay longer at school. Mm-hmm. You if you just don't have to worry about that first year, then you'll stay a little bit longer, and hopefully uh, uh, graduate. Period. Yeah. You know. Um, I know that music is a love of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being the DJ on the radio. Here's a question I have. That's you know, we're not going to find any answers here. Okay, but <clears throat> it, I think it's great for dialogue. Simply because, you know, when I grew up, I was a huge Parliament Funkadelic fan, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And my mother and them listened to that music and said, you know. That's the devil's music and mm. this and that and what are they talking about, right? Right, right, right You know, it was the right. evolution of music just like the flower children and people looked at them and they, now we have, I'm going to say rap, not hip hop, because okay. it's not really hip hop, it's rap. Okay. And we listen to the lyrics and we play the lyrics on the radio mm-hmm. and, the, and the people listen and there's behavior that's driven by some of that, those, that, those lyrics. How do you feel in the business you're in around playing that music, that style, but then having to get in the streets to do the work to uh, to help people understand that this is just entertainment. Mm. It's not reality. Mm. So you can listen to this, but this is not meant to be lived out. How do you deal with that? How do you reconcile that? Oh, that is a great question, Brother Jackson. <clears throat> so... The very first thing, like you said, you grew up listening to Parliament, right? Right. And so your parents like, man, get that out of here. So, <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> you that's know? right. That's right. And before that, it was Puff the Magic Dragon. That's right. That's right. Nobody knew they were talking about smoking weed. I mean, that's we right. have to be very that's honest right. with that's ourselves, right. right? That's right. That's right. So I remember vividly my mom saying, I'm playing uh, Planet Rock and some other things. And she, my grandma and my mom like, yo, get that bebop, 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 bebop out of here. That's right. That's going only gonna be a fad, yeah. And now it's fifty years later. That's you know right. what I'm saying? Hip hop right. is fifty years old this year, so I'm glad you acknowledged that. As as rap music uh, evolves, a lot of people say, "Well, it's mumble rap. It's not. 
it's not hip-hop, it's not the culture, but it's what, if we look at rap and we look at hip-hop culture, it's always been the youth that dr- has been the driving force of this, right? Right. If this is what they like, then they're driving the bus. So we got to like, okay, I mean, that's cool. So there are some things, there are some negative things that we do here. I am able to get on a programming call every Monday and say, I don't know about this one. I don't know about this one. I'm going to have to day part this one to nights. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to day part this one to afternoons or whatever it may be. So we do have a choice in what we kind of pull. But excuse me, there are some messages in there. You know, you're like, oh, man, mm-hmm. is this what they're seeing, though? Is this what the youth are seeing? Because people say when we were listening to hip hop, it was the black CNN. It was the very first time that Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five said, hey, this is where we live. Mm-hmm. People on the stairs pissing everywhere. And they seem like they just don't care. That's from the message. That's the actual lyric from mm-hmm. the message. That's right. Uh, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. So that was the first time you were able to see African-American youth and where they lived. Actually on the video. Mm-hmm. One of the first um, hip-hop videos. So is this what they're seeing? And the second thing is, are they lying? Because <laughs> mm-hmm, you just said, mm-hmm, is it facade? And sometimes mm-hmm, it is facade. These mm-hmm, things are facade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I talked about it the other day. I have an older nephew, and I'm going to tell his business. And he had moved to Wilmington, and he was staying with us for a little bit. And uh, he said, yeah, man, I'm from the way, I'm from where the roaches be, blah, 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 I'm in the streets. Blah, blah. And I'm like, no, man, you're from Somerville. So like, <laughs> That's right. What are you That's talking right. about? That's right. That's right. He's That's like, right. oh, but it sounds like real hard. I said, like, <laughs> No, from some of you in South Carolina, man, don't do that. So, That's right. but we had, <laughs> but we had a good time, and we were able to, I guess, differentiate what was real and what was not. My work in the community means that I want you to have the best record, and this is on the independent side. When I talk to other musicians, other rappers in the industry, other singers, I want you to have the best music. I don't want you to. Uh, depressed or, or, or kind of compact who you are, mm-hmm. but I want you to to be real, but I want you to give a message, mm-hmm. and I want it to be the best message and the best song and the best quality because you represent Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I go into that. When I go into the community, I, I do say this. Sometimes it is a facade, and there's a time and a place for everything that mm-hmm. we have as mm-hmm. far as music is concerned. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, when we're able to tell them that, when we tell artists that, when we tell youth that, then they, you know, they kind of step back and say, okay, maybe this is not the time to say, you know, I used to shoot people up. I like, nah, not really, not at four o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe right. we could do that right. a little later in the club scene. But why don't you make a record for radio? Right. And that's that's really large. Like if you can make a record for radio, I tell them all the time: if a woman can sing to your song and she remembers it, you got a hit. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what you got. So, mm-hmm. yes, yes, it is conflicting at times. Mm-hmm. It is conflicting at times. Even sometimes I like, I like, I like that song. Or I hear a song, I'm like, oh my god, can we? Do we got to play this right now? Mm-hmm. Can I mm-hmm. day party? And what mm-hmm. day party means is mm-hmm. I only play it at a certain time mm-hmm. in the evening. So, mm-hmm. yeah. awesome. Hopefully, I did. I answer your question. Yes, you did. Okay. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. That's yeah. always a tricky topic, you know. Yeah. It's whatever it we, you know, but it's a good question. Yeah, we immerse ourselves in whatever it is and often move toward that Mm -hmm. you know so that's a question that terry and i have have kind of touched on a couple other times is you know what does this actually mean Mm -hmm. how do you how do you make better as possible when 
if you're fully immersed in something that sounds like it, it ain't very good. Right, yeah, right, 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 right. Because it could be something that we like as well, right? Yeah, it could but, be. But like, it, being uh, mindful that we are parents, right? right? <laughs> and right. we have to, we might be, but we're trying to set a good example as well, right? Right, right? And so, you know, I might have my headphones on when I'm listening to that so mm-hmm. that nobody else can hear it yeah. because I like the song, I like the beat. Um, but it's about those who come after us and how do we make life better for those who come after us, right? And and make it more, uh, make it more positive and to understand that, you know, there might be some validity or some, some, some realness to it. Right. But for the most part, it's entertainment. It is. It is. And and you have to ask, also ask your question or ask my community members or or, or guys that, that grew up in my neighborhood or, or around my neighborhood, what do you get out of it? Right. What are you getting out of it? Are you getting motivation out of it? Or are you getting, you know, are you getting the plan to do something else? Right. What are you getting out right. of it? If you're not right. getting any motivation out of it to do better, uh, to be better, then, I mean, why are we here? Right. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it, music it puts us in the empathy space a lot of times, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, I think about a lot of the music that I'm attracted to and have been all my life. I haven't really lived much of that. Right. <laughs> Not really. Right. I mean, but I do see it right. as motivational, right. as, right. you know, right. as uh, aspirational sometimes. Right. That's right. Um, and frankly, to be avoided sometimes. Yeah, definitely. You know? So I think I there is a, definitely a message uh, that that adults can carry that's separate from the music, right? That life is not the music. Right. That's right. That is totally right. right. That's totally right. right. Yeah. That's cool. Because I've always been into the lyrics, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, even though I was a big Parliament Funkadelic fan, I'm always, I'm listening for the story. Mm -hmm. I'm always, I mean, you know, coming up, being born in the 60s and hearing all that Motown, Mm, you know, the Marvin Gaye and the OJs and Stevie Wonder, it was about the message that they were delivering at the time from the late 60s and the 70s. And so, of course, it was a positive message. And it was a message about right. love. Yeah, I was going to say, it, we were in love. Yeah, it was about love, love, right? Yeah. And so I really enjoyed the ballads, the slow songs, because of the stories more than I did, mm. you know, the dance, you know, the, the dance. Right. You know, uh, but because, so with me, I'm in love with words. Mm. And when I hear the lyrics today, I have to ask my daughter, what are they talking about? Right. Because I don't understand. Please. And and often it's cold, right? Right. I might think it it means one thing. And when I ask somebody younger, no, this is what it really means. And I'm like, oh, you throwing me, you throwing me off now. Right. Right. And 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 like I said before, hip hop is the youth were always driving force that's that. right that's and right. so it's always good to sit down with someone a little younger than you and be like man what are you talking about what do i mean that's right and they'll tell you the kid's like man like my my nephew but oh man this means so and so i like oh word? yeah okay yeah i see you like that song i oh, don't know i don't really like that song and in my mind i'm like thank you lord <laughs> <laughs> i said okay yeah. but he's my litmus paper test yes. a lot of times when yes. i'm talking to him about records. I said, you like this record? You like this record? And they're like, no, I like this. And we have to also, I know we talk about radio a lot, but YouTube is... Ooh, yes. Uh-huh. I see them on YouTube all day. That's their radio now. Like, yeah. almost, you know? And we might be... The, let me knock on wood. We not the dinosaur yet, but we might be the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... it's um. 
they hit YouTube and just search, 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 and there's certain songs that are like got four, 40, 50 million views. I never heard of the song before. That's right. I'm like, good gracious. Right. So that the digital aspect of this is way wide. You know, it's worldwide. That's basically. right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. You know, that's why I like talking to the youth. Yes. Because they keep me relevant, yes, right? If definitely. I really want to find something out, go ask my daughter and or go ask, you know, uh, nieces and nephews. You know, what what is what 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 is this really? What's on your mind, right? right really, right. you know. So, because we have to, as long as we're on this earth, we have to remain relevant. Correct. And Correct. in order to do so, it means the conversation. And what you said <clears throat> about it was all the youth has always been the drivers. If we go back to the '60s with Dr. King, mm-hmm. you know, he was very he was very young. Yes. Uh, Malcolm was young. Uh, Maker Everest were young. All of those movements that you know, when you look at the flower children, all of the, those were, were young people. Yes. And so, um, we have to be mindful of what we not only feed the body, but what we feed the mind. Yes. And that's the distinction of what's happening, quote unquote, in the streets today. What mm. are the minds being fed? Right. Because when I ask a lot of youth, so tell me what you're reading. I don't get a whole lot of responses. Was last book read. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't get a lot of responses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what are you listening to? Oh, man, they start giving me a whole library of music that they're listening to, much of what I haven't heard because it's underground. Right, right, right. And and I think that's important to say, you know, just reading, period. Yes. Uh, is important. And so my push sometimes is more on a comic level mm-hmm. to read to read a comic book, and maybe mm-hmm. that'll... That'll spark the interest. Oh, by the way, have you read this? You know, and that's how I kind of started with Ike. I was like, hey, here's some comic books. Here's a graphic novel. Here's this. Have you read this book right here? <laughs> no. I was like, you should you should try it out. You should try it out during the summer. Turn TV off. Let's, let's see if we can get it. You know, what's interesting that you said that. Um, <clears throat> there's me. research that says that for children who grow up reading comic books, their ability to read is much greater than those who chose or who didn't get the opportunity to read comic, book, mm. comic books. So mm. there's a lot of validity to what you're saying, whether yeah. you know it or not, yes. Yeah, I, I just, because it's a little bit more, oh, it's something I might like, it's anime or it's, you know, Marvel or something like that. It's, I want to I read this, I want to see what's in the story, and if I can get you a graphic novel, which is a little bit more expensive than just that one little flip page, it's like, you know, it might be six or seven volumes in there. Uh, they'll read through that, and they'll, you know, he'll burn through that, or you know, whoever I give it to, they'll burn through that, and I was like, you try this one, and so hopefully that helps. Mm. Uh, but I do think that it, reading is important because that's what I did. I mean, I had the little thing where you had to read ten books a week at the library yep. during the summertime, yep. Yep. and yep. I would walk down there, and I'm gonna tell the truth. I used to walk to the library where it's at right now, but I do remember when the library was on Market Street. I was little then. Mm-hmm. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Market Street, mm-hmm. and so and then where the library was at was Belks. Mm-hmm. That's right. So y'all know what I'm saying. That's right. That's and right. So, That's right. And so we, I would, I would be there, and one reason I was there because my grandmama's house was hot, and they had great cool air in the library mm-hmm. during the summer. Mm-hmm. So I would go there and sit there all day and read books <laughs> and, and, and have a good time. But that was that's what I was. That's what I did. You know, uh, inside the neighborhood I was in, and you could get away. You get away. You know, I could go anywhere I wanted to go inside of that book during that time. So I think it's very important. Yeah, it's like it's interesting because this whole concept of getting young people to read mm-hmm. in a way is like asking them to slow down in a world that's getting faster and faster mm-hmm. with the availability of YouTube right. and all of that kind of stuff. And 
you know, we know from brain science that those those periods of downtime, mm-hmm. that meditative time, if you will, but those times where it, things are slowed down are really important mm-hmm. to okay. further development, you know. And so mm-hmm. it's fascinating to me that reading remains relevant. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And, you know, I personally read, I mm-hmm. mean, I read a lot of times a book a day, mm-hmm. okay. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. but, but certainly several a week mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and often have multiple books going at the same time. Mm-hmm. Terry and I shared yeah. a sort of <laughs> same yeah. passion. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I always, I knew from a very early age that reading opened the whole world to me and everything I've yeah. basically been able to do or accomplish mm came really through the gateway of being a good reader. That's right. Um, right. And that's our challenge. When we talk about locally, we know we got some gaps because I want to make sure we touch a little bit on some local mm-hmm. pieces so we know yeah. we have some reading gaps in mm. our schools uh, that we got to figure out some solutions. Right. I, I do feel what they have going on in certain classrooms in certain schools where they're asking community leaders to come in and read. Mm-hmm. So you see someone that you may know in the community that you have respect for, or you're being introduced to them for the first time. You might have heard, oh, I know who the mayor, I know the mayor, I've heard of the mayor, but I've never seen them. Or I've heard of this person, I've never seen them, but they come into your classroom and read is major. So shouts out to those people that are doing that in their classrooms, uh, like Nathaniel Johnson at mm-hmm, Virgo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, some folks over there at Snipes, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Willis over there at Snipes. So you have folks that are coming in to read, uh, which is important, but then we have to actually practice it. So now yes. we got to get our students practicing reading. Let's take this one hour before. I remember uh, when I was still teaching at, at Murray, there was a period before school started. So... School was, I guess we started 7.30 at one time, and from 7.30 to 8.30, you would have a window where you would read before school even, Mm. the regular classes started. Mm. School Mm. started, but before regular classes started, you would read. And what I would do, I think we read, in my one of my classes, we read this book called The Moves Make the Man. I don't know if y'all have ever heard Mm. of that. Mm. But it was about a young man here in Wilmington. And they played basketball at Chestnut Street Junior High School. Uh, yep. And so the kids were able to see themselves inside of this book. Oh, this is from Wilmington, and this is what was happening. And they dealt with, dealt with racial issues. And inside of the book, I would read a chapter, and then I would let them read the chapter. Then I would read the chapter, then let them read the chapter to themselves. So I think that's important. Those things, when you start practicing it, I think it helps a lot. Yeah, I would agree. Um <clears throat> I never went to the public library as a child. Mm. My first library card from the public library, I was in college. Oh, wow. I did a lot of reading in school. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a quick little story. I remember being promoted to the, <laughs> to the fifth grade, right? And in the fifth grade we had, there were three reading um, groups. A, B, and C. Of course, A being the best B. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a competitive young guy because I like sports. Okay. And so I land in the B. I land in the B group, and I'm looking at the A group. I'm like, why am I in the, why am I in the B group? Mm-hmm. I should be in the A group. So I remember focusing, mm-hmm. improving my skills, 
It okay. was my competitiveness that drove me in sports that drove me to want to be in the A group because I wanted to be amongst the best, the first. Mm. So by midway of the year, I had ascended to. Oh, wow. That's cool. The A group, right? Yeah, that's real, yeah. And, and so with that, just that not ever having gone to the library as a child, right, there was something in me, Sports Illustrated, I love reading. Mm-hmm. Um, anything sports related. And so that drove my passion for reading. And then, of course, in school, you read the others because you're in the gifted and talented kind of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was able to kind of use sports to propel for me the academic side of mm. the whole competition. If I can, If I can compete with you on the field, I should be able to compete with you. In the classroom, mm-hmm. which so that's what my driver was, mm-hmm. right? And my mother said, "Well, hey, if you don't get good grades, you can't play sports." And that was just out of the realm of reality for yeah. me. I was, go- <laughs> I was gonna play ball, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so we have to be able to f- somehow find something to inspire the kids around what they love, mm. whether it's sports to get them to connect to academics, whether it's the music and the lyrics and being able to read and write, to be able to understand, and even if it's comedy, right? Because we know mm-hmm. that com- comedians have to be well-read right. to be able to put together right. their jokes, right? right? Absolutely. You, you listen to Dave Chappelle and those guys. It's current and, events. Yes, it you is. Gotta, you got to read the newspaper. And so you gotta, exactly. Right. So we have to find a way to inspire them, given whatever they like. Right, right. To mm-hmm. be able to get them to read Yeah, more. you know, for me, like coming up, like from a super early age, mm-hmm. third, fourth grade, mm-hmm. With breakfast, I was reading the sports page, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I did that basically all the way through high school. Like, first thing I'm gonna go grab that paper and I'm gonna read the sports page. Sometimes even the box scores, That's right? Because right. I wanted to see. Right. Back then, it's not like the paper now. You actually got news up to about eleven o'clock. You know, so right. you That's know right. you would see it was how, somebody sitting in there. Yeah, <laughs> how everybody did. You know, the night before and mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I read that every day and pretty soon it got to be a thing where i read to relax now mm. you yeah. know like it, it's a part of just sort of settling myself into something mm-hmm. uh, around that reading but i think the theme that we've been talking about whether it's the comic books whether it's chestnut street school whether it's sports illustrated or right. sports page mm-hmm. is that reading that is relevant to what's important to you right now exactly right. and you know the thing that we got in wilmington uh, that that I think has a lot of relevance in Northside or Southside or even East Wilmington mm-hmm. is our history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you Always know, big. while yeah. there are some there are some sources of reading out there, it's not what it could be based on the history, right? right? And so, right. just think right. about how you know. I wonder if there's a way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there is a way, but I wonder what the way would be to put some of that in print in ways that gave folks the sort of the deep roots mm-hmm. in the culture that has been here for all these years. I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's super important. And to see it on paper, I know you probably hear about it, 
Mm-hmm. And my grandmother used to tell, you know, every my grandmother was a great oralist. Yeah, like she'd tell you this oral history. Mm-hmm. But then when you read it, I was like, oh, grandma was for real. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. grandma right. was for real. <laughs> you know? That's right. That's and right. I, I remember doing this thing, uh, it was a project. And I think I might have been, I don't know what grade I was in, but it, it asked you a bunch of questions. Who's from your neighborhood that's mm-hmm. famous? Who's from your so and so that's mm-hmm. famous? And I remember mm-hmm. filling it out. Mm-hmm. But I went to the library and they were like, Who's from your neighborhood famous? And I was like, Meadowlark Lemon. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, you know, write these things down. And my teacher thought I was telling a tale. And I was like, No, I'm for mm-hmm. real. Like, mm-hmm. Meadowlark Lemon is from my neighborhood. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was able to 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 go through that, but it was a it was in the archives at that time at the library. It's a little, mm-hmm. you know, small. It, that room was small at that time. You could go in and like, who's this? Where are they from? And so it's important when they see that history on paper. Yes. We could talk about it all day. Yes. Like, I, I fuss all day in the house, but when he hears it from someone else, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to I be a prophet in your yeah. land. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm like, I know I just said that. Yes, yes. I'm like, I just said that. You know, anyway, uh, I think it's important that, that we see that on paper to inspire us to be the great people that we can be. Right. Because those those folks and individuals in the history of Wilmington were great in a time where you couldn't be great. That's right. Or it was very, very hard to be great. Let's That's say right. that. That's I'll right. say that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very hard to be great at that time. So, you know, I always tell the story. I was like, yo, man, check this out. All right, so I'm from Taylor Homes, right? One of the oldest housing projects in America at that time. Yes. Right? So Robert Taylor, and I'm talking, I was like, yo, so Robert Taylor yep. went to MIT, one of the first African-Americans to be licensed as a as an architect, period, and built these, what we call, what at that time it was called affordable housing. Let's be very honest, it was the projects. Right. He built projects in, there was a Robert Taylor Homes in Chicago, Chicago which is torn down now, and then there was one here in Wilmington. And of course, he did his thing with Booker T. Washington in Tuskegee. You actually can go to the Robert Taylor School of Architecture in Tuskegee. Mm-hmm. Um, you you learn all this stuff, right? And then I say, yo, but check it out. Let's fast forward. Maybe, I don't, I'm not going to say 100 years, but let's fast forward maybe 80 years later. Uh, it might be 100 years. Uh, I'll give you 100. Let's fast forward 100 years. And a young man... It grows around, grows up around that area, goes to school, goes to Williston, graduates, mm-hmm. gets an architectural degree, and you know, I, don't, I don't know what else degree he got, but he becomes the chancellor of MIT mm-hmm. from the same city. Mm-hmm. How big is that? And so when you start giving those 360s and 180s and what happened, I think it makes you interested in like history. But that's my thing. I love history. Um, but it makes them interested in to read. Like, oh, right, that happened? Like, yo, look at this. Come come see it. Look, yeah. it's in this book. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because yesterday I gave a presentation at the library okay. to um, the historical organization that's looking to help restore Giblam Lodge, mm. the Masonic Lodge, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a member of, of Giblam number two. Okay. 
And I was asked to give a presentation. And so as I was preparing for the presentation, I'm going back through history. Yes. And I begin to see names that I didn't recognize, well, I didn't realize were associated with Giblam number two. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked down the list of the grand, you know, grand master, uh, worshipful, grand worshipful master, and I look at James E. Shepard. I said, wow. Now, James E. Shepard was the founder of North Carolina Central University. Yes. And I see names like Howard Clement, and I see Telfair. And I see mm. Galloway, the, the, the famous uh, from history, uh, is it Robert Galloway from Southport who stole the ship? Oh, wow. Abraham Galloway. Abraham, Abraham Galloway. Galloway. Yeah. Yeah. Who stole the ship. And I was like, wow, he was affiliated with Giblam Number 2, which mm. is the second oldest African-American Masonic Lodge in the state of North Carolina, built in 1871. From freed free, by freed slaves, mm. but if you go do the history before that with Prince Hall living in Boston, he was part of uh, I guess the Revolutionary War. Wow! And so he was the one who started it all. And I'm going through all of this history that I'm learning for the first time okay. at this age to give the presentation, right? Right. And so there was so much that was touched upon. I didn't realize that the Lodge was the first African-American library in the city in 1871. Mm. It was a city market in 1871. It was also a cleaners. And I didn't realize, you know, all the history that that was there uh, with that Lodge. And then come to find out in the 1930s, you see a picture, at least I saw a picture of a well-integrated staff who worked there with the cleaners. Wow. And I was like, I didn't realize all this history was behind Giblam number two, and it's worthwhile, it's worthiness of being saved, right? Oh, yes. And and, and so just that alone, and again, I was a member, but we didn't go through the history, and I am a member of Giblam number two, but we didn't go through the history from a historical perspective. We talked about it from a Masonic perspective, but now... When you expand and you begin to see it from a historical perspective, and it's history for Wilmington, for North Carolina, and for the United States, it played an integral part because, of course, think about this. They didn't attempt to burn it down during 1898. No. There was something about it being a Masonic Lodge that did not Mm. cause them to stay away from the Masonic Lodge and mm-hmm. and didn't burn it down, even though they knew of all the meetings that were going on there. But for whatever reason, they left it alone. That's heavy. That's heavy for real. <laughs> 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 I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you about to go make me look that up, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. I was amazed by all yeah. that yesterday because UNCW, it was a part of UNCW's that is head. the original building that is still That there. is the it's original building. The, the, the cornerstone is right there, mm-hmm. 1871. I remember when I went through the initiation process, one of the first things I wanted to do was to see the cornerstone. Right. Right. And so UNCW's heading it up. There was a Dr. Julius Jones there. Um, oh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, the a young lady. Professor of History. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I can't think of her name, Professor. She was over the, um, she's actually over the School of uh, History. Okay. Uh, the business uh, history department out there because we had an interesting conversation of how do you connect business to history and history to business, mm. right? So she and I are toying okay. with that because it, you know it's, it's it's of interest. But yeah, it was it was it was a great presentation. It was a full house, and I think the word got out yesterday. Yeah, yeah. that's big. But I I really feel that if we can show them inside of the context 
and then show them like this is the building. This is what happened right here on this corner. This is where so and so lived. And then oh, read about him right here. Here you go. I think that helps out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if they stumble over the words, I was like read yeah. it with a dictionary next to you. And I was always told that. I think what you said was most important at that time in the 1800s. These people were great when it was a difficult time to be great, yes. right? Yes. They What they did, the courage, mm-hmm. and we've talked about courage on many episodes, right? Yes. Yep. The courage that they had to display to do what they did given the times. I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, uh, I guess, you know, I, I don't know if it could have been me. I don't know. It might. It, it could have been me. You know. I don't know. But it was. It was. It's a lot of stories in the city. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I could have did that. I, yeah. I just don't. I just don't see it. You know. And um, I, I talk about it often about my. You know, we. I don't know if y'all ever seen the movie The Help. Yes. Yeah. Um, I watched The Help almost in tears because mm-hmm. it was my grandma. My grandma worked in Forest Hills mm-hmm. for years. My grandmother working in Forest Hills was able to send my mother to Fayetteville State. Mm-hmm. And I would hear my grandma talk about it, like how she went from coveralls and, you know, dusting and cleaning to a white uniform. She mm-hmm. said that. She said it was almost like you having a car. Mm-hmm. Like if you had a maid, it was almost like you having a car. You had to help. And I was like, wow, grandma, you put up with that? She said, yeah, I mean, I did that because we needed to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I would hear my grandmother talk about those things and the courage that she had as far as to, you know, sometimes not being able to make the bus and have to walk from uh, right here on McCray Street to what, 20 or 24th in Market. That's a, that's a little ways. Yeah. So that that was always a big thing for for me to see her, you know, like a local someone in my life mm-hmm. in my house I, mm-hmm. you know that had the courage and, and did the things that she did yeah so that brings that you know that kind of gets us to the question here we got three wilmingtonians here mm-hmm. on a rarity mm-hmm. right. uh, <laughs> that's, true. that's true but that question of courage of what's needed now mm-hmm. really i think is 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 a salient question right like yeah. what what does courage look like mm-hmm. now to take us to a better place in the future. What can Wilmington look like in, mm-hmm. you know, 2030, 2040, God willing, we're still here. Right. You know? I, I, to answer that question, Dr. Brown, I think we have to be very open and honest with our youth. And um, I told this story. I, we were all together. Matter of fact, I told this story. We were at the um, the rededication of the pool, mm. Earl Jackson pool. Mm. And, I know it had, and I'm talking about courage here as well. I know it had to be a courageous thing for Papa Jack. We're talking about Earl Jackson. We call him Papa Jack. For Papa Jack, I know in his mind, how can I tell this young man he's not the best athlete, but he's gifted at music? Mm -hmm. And he was able to come to me, and we were in the gym, and I'm running and trying to lay up and shoot and all this stuff. And he said, you know what? You're really good. On them drums. <laughs> he said, he said this is a real conversation. And he said, You're really good. You're really good in the music side. You're really good. Like, you're excellent. And I was in my mind, I was like, Thank you, Papa Jack. And then I thought about it, like, I can't play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was really telling me. Right? I can't play basketball. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right, I got you. So, but his compliment also, 
he didn't stop there. He would come in and pop in and go, oh, that was good. What what What's the name of that cadence? Oh, we call it Papa Jack. Like to this day, we have a cadence named Papa Jack. Mm. And so with that being said, I think, or I know for sure, it's us kind of instilling and saying, you got it. This is what you do. You're the best at it. I think we still have to do that now. So that's one thing as we go forward into the future. I think we got to tell youth, you're good at that. That's what you're good at. That's the that's the ticket right there. And so let's keep going with this. What else what else do we need to do to develop you? Mm-hmm. How can I help develop you even more in this whether whatever it may be, whether it's sports, whether it's academia or both, or you know, everybody can't go to a four year institution. Right. And I see that now even more. Right. But if you're good and you like putting things together, let's talk about construction. Uh, you like to draw, you like to put things in. Maybe let's talk about architecture. Let's talk about, um, you know, plumbing. Let's talk about some things that you can make $100 for me to show up and tell you that it's broke before I even start. That's right. So let's go, that first that first console is $100, but then it's going to be, you know, a minimum of four hours for me to just be there. And that's $400. But if I got 10 of them in a day, Man, that's right. So we actually, we actually have to show our, I think, show our youth. Okay, you're gonna have to have the courage to say, "This is me, this is what I do." Because a lot of times when we're young, we kind of want to go with the flow, like, "Oh, so and so going here, I'm gonna go here too." Right. Oh, so and so going, I'm gonna go there too. What we want to do is say, "Hey, this is your thing. This is what you're good at, and be the best at it you can be." And I think when we have the courage and to give the courage to others. Especially our youth, I think they when they get in their zone in their lane, I think they do well. Yeah, I would I would agree with you, um, of finding out what it is that you're good at, mm. and then if you're going to add the reading, you begin reading around About that that. <laughs> specific topic, whether whatever it is, right? Definitely. And you immerse yourself Definitely. in it to become the the best in it. And you know, when I say the best, not necessarily competing with anyone else, but the best that you can become. Ended and understand the importance of studying your craft, mm, right? Mm. Um, there's a great book by Robert Greene called uh, Personal Mastery, and he talks about that. You know, the apprenticeship that is needed right. in order to become the best at who you are and what you and what you are. And for some people, it's about stepping up and becoming bigger, not playing small, right? I've been discovering whether or not you guys believe it or not, but I've been discovering that in the CPM. For mm-hmm. me, okay. yeah, okay. It's, and and I think I kind of mentioned it when we were at the MLK Center for Doctor Martin. I said, yes. you know, I yes. said I was doing some things, but I need to step up more. Mm. You know, I need to, I need to, I need to speak up more. I need right. to use whatever platform I have, right? Because it's about the youth seeing someone who's done something that at least they consider being having done something that they can see and touch and feel and hear them them speak, right? And, and I thought, oh, you know what, I think. Sometimes we're scared, and I'm just talking on the youth side. We have been scared. I'm just going to use mine. I was, I was nervous to be the kid that walks through Taylor Holmes with my trombone. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what they was going to pick because they mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what, you got a banjo or something like mm-hmm. that? And mm-hmm. I was like, no, mm-hmm. leave my mm-hmm. horn, you know. Mm-hmm. But you got to be able to, hey, look, people going to talk about you. They're going to clown. Mm-hmm. We got to be able to take that because I think now – you know, kids, that's disrespectful. We about to fight. No, yeah. kids are gonna clown. They're gonna. It's gonna happen. But if you stay the course, 
it's all going to work out. And so I have a good friend, man. I'm t- I promise you from this neighborhood. And I, I call him all the time. My man, Gruff, man. And so Gruff, mm-hmm. he tells people all the time, we knew he was going to do something with that music because he used to have that trombone every day, man. He used mm-hmm. to, we knew he was going to do something with music. But that was because I just stayed the course, and I just took that. I was like, "Yeah, y'all, y'all clown." I clown back too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and you know, fight going down. They would send me home, mm-hmm. but you need to go into the house. Mm-hmm. Your grandma gonna get you. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I'm down. We this the north side. Let's go. Let's ride out. They were like, "Nah, bro, you schoolboy. Go into the house." Yeah, that's right. But they understood, and I was cool with that. I was cool with that because they didn't want me to get in trouble. So I was always cool with that. But they knew, they even knew, like, his trajectory is a little different than ours. That's right. So, you man, you going home, we got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you got to stay They would send me home. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fight them. Yeah. So, when you came, to that, in, when you came <laughs> to that intersection. I was down, yeah. <laughs> yeah, take a left. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was down. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And they were like, going home. I was like, all right. <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. But I think once I... Once our youth get into a situation where they they're comfortable with being exactly who they are, mm-hmm. I think they they propel themselves yeah. at all times. I always use I always use Ike, uh, my nephew, as as that person. I'm in the grocery store. I see my old football coach uh, from like Pop Warner, and he sees Ike. And Ike is you know six feet tall. And he's Man, what you doing? Mm-hmm. Where, where you play football at? And Ike said, he looked at him, he said, I swim, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't say anything. But mm-hmm. it made me proud because at that moment, he knew exactly what his lane is. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly what he likes to do. He knew who he was in that moment. Mm-hmm. He was like, I swim, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that so that's <laughs> act of courage, right? Right. Like, right. That's mm-hmm. the the real courage is to is to find that comfort with who you really mm-hmm. want to be at the time, yeah. and mm-hmm. not succumb to the discomfort of of the pressure, right? Right. And you know, it really, as you were talking, Terry, it it really reminded me on this concept of mastery. Mm-hmm. You know, the best only have themselves to compete with. That's right. Mm. That's I mean, That's you know, right. like if That's if right. if you're the best, you're really not competing with anybody else except the next version of you. you. That's it. Mm. You know, it. and we see examples of that from Wilmington all over the place. I mean, right. Metal Art, That's right. best entertainer That's there right. ever was on a global scale. Yes, mm-hmm. at yes. a time where who could have imagined, mm-hmm. right? You know. Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. lots of others, mm-hmm. Taylor. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, all these kind of things, we have plenty of bests mm-hmm. from here. Yes. Right. And so it's certainly possible. Yeah, 100%. It, it, it's amazing because people ask me, so what model should we use to, to, to accomplish this? I said, well, you don't have to recreate it. All you do is have to look around. The models are already there. They're already in existence. You take a couple of models that are already in existence, you combine them together, and you create a model that's better than either one of them together, right? Uh, are separate. And so several months ago, I started, I started a book club. Okay. Right? It was about vision. <clears throat> and so people probably heard book and, and the couple first couple sessions went well, right? But I think books, the word books got in the way, right? Mm. When really it was truly to be a conversation of black men. Mm. 
because there's a gap in communication. You know, you can go 18 to 25, right? And then when you get 26 to maybe 35, there are gaps in communication because there are gaps in understanding because you're talking about different generations. Mm. My goal was to begin to, to have all of these generations get in one room and to have a conversation around what it means to be a black man. I think that's I think that's big, and I have this conversation a lot. Mm-hmm. And my conversation, it might it might be on the same road as that, but I think, and I have to give you I have to give you an example. We thought Coach Murphy was going to be here forever. Yes, we did. We thought Coach Murphy was going to be here forever, and we never. I'm not going to say never, but we looked around like. Who's next? That's right. But we didn't do who's next That's right. until Coach Murphy passed away. You know what I'm saying? Or when he was getting ready to retire. And even when he retired, he returned to the Martin Luther King Center. We thought Pop Jack was going to be here forever. And everybody was like, well, maybe Bobo next. So we don't know. We don't know. But did, did we lose something where they didn't say, okay, get ready? Get ready, get ready to be next. And I think that that, that that be right. That that became that became a gap. And I I I always work at trying to close that. Shouts out to um um uh, Rashad Gaddison and and Jared Gaddison and Cedric and all those guys that are younger than me. When I tell them, I'm like, oh, y'all need to go ahead and get ready. I was like, B can't be here forever, but you need to be ready in the community now. And so I always tell them, y'all up, y'all up. Because I didn't hear, I didn't hear that. But I kind of felt like, it's coming. In my um, analysis of African-American organizations throughout the country, Mm -hmm. local leadership all over the country, the number one gap I saw was succession planning. We don't prepare people or leaders within the community to continue to lead and take it to the next level. As as we look at, we we always sitting around wondering because I was a and look I grew up under Murphy too, mm-hmm. and so going up to the center every day and regardless of who you were when you went in that building you knew it was he was the man in yep. there right exactly and so with that. We didn't develop the next Murphy and the next Papa Jack because for whatever reason, some people, and not to say that Mr. Murphy was his way because he wasn't, for some people it's about the notoriety that they receive and them wanting to be the one, right? We, we, I can say that's happened in our fraternity in the local chapter initially because I remember from years ago right we didn't have that succession planning in place and we really didn't go through because you thought Dr. Eaton leadership. was going to be around for years exactly every, yeah, yeah, every, <laughs> and we just you know? don't we, we, we didn't see it right yeah. but we have to begin to see it and understand the importance of it right. and begin to implement it whether it's formal succession planning or just pulling somebody under your wing and they saying just, hey let me mentor you this mm-hmm. how it works I, I, exactly yeah. and 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 so um we have to begin to to do that cuz i've I, like i said i've i've man i've analyzed this the you know because it's really about how, 
given the time, how are we still where we are? Right. Where we know we should be further. Right. And you got to look at leadership. And so that means succession planning and leadership development, right? Right. Yeah. All you, of those kinds want, of things. You want them to be leaders, but you want their eyes. Yes. I want, okay, this is the way I did it. I want you to do it, but use your eyes and use your filter. And how can that be better? Yeah. You know, so that that's always a big thing. Yep. Power of giving away power. We've got yeah, an episode right. on that that's a oh, while okay. back. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's the whole no, concept of how, you know, yeah. like we're so much so much stronger together in different ways when we value people's strengths when we when we uh, basically allow a range of possibility based on that person's Mm. strengths and then the collective ends up being just dramatically different that's really one of the recipes for transformation right right. transformation is it's hard to achieve as an individual but it's it's incredibly uh, possible when you have a group working together i I totally agree um just being in radio and being in the industry um you know for a fact we we shut down when we get ready to shut down you hit me up and said b B, you can't be outside they wilding out Mm -hmm. you know that's basically what you said Mm -hmm. i said let's jump on Mm -hmm. and so people were still outside and COVID. we still you know they going to the parties in myrtle beach they might not be going here Mm -hmm. because it was shut down but they was going and I was like, I'm like, Dr. Brown, you got to get on and say something. I put you on because I had to drop. Okay, this is, a young, this is a man who is very powerful in the medical community in North Carolina. He's getting ready to tell you something. Watch this. Troop. I'm like, Dr. Brown, well, you need to be this. You need to be six <laughs> feet right. away, That's blah, right. blah, blah. That's and then right. Dr. Brown got on and said, okay, That's this right. is six feet. That's right. That's right. I'm on the couch. Wife is over there. Like, this is six feet. That's right. If you're doing so-and-so and so. That's right. And when we were able to do that, we, people were like, oh. I'm like, yeah, this is serious. And they didn't take me serious until I got the expert on. That's right. But how do you know Dr. Brown? Don't worry about it. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> that's my homeboy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Secret yeah, signs. Yeah, right, that's right, right, right. right. That's right. Yeah, that's everybody right. ain't got to know everything. That's right, right. right. Yeah, that's, uh, but that's true, you know. And there, there's, so there's components, right? So right. there's a pragmatic component. Like right. people literally need to know exactly what to do that's mm-hmm. right. this is six feet in real life because right. we're not carrying a tape measure around right, right. That's you right. know same thing with coaching sports or anything else you got to teach the exact skill exactly so that right there was you know that was valuable and it was through all these different forums right that one mm-hmm. other ones mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. i was doing that we were actually able to reach so much of the community mm-hmm. correct and mm-hmm. that's why you know north carolina and, and we were a leader in in that here North Carolina was the second safest state to live in during the pandemic. Mm. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. You know, it was, it was the ability to connect across a lot of different groups in different ways in, in a manner that was really informative of exactly what do you do and Mm -hmm. what do you avoid? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a work in progress because all that guidance changed and that confused people a lot of times. Um, but just putting it out there and putting it out there in a lot of different places and yes. different ways is what made the difference. It so, was super important. Yeah. And then, and and then, like like I said, when you sit down and you see, you're doing what you do in medical, you're doing what you do in business, and mm-hmm. I do what I do, in, in radio and, and entertainment. But when we all three get together, that's right. You know, and, and put the Voltron together. And, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When we put yeah. the Voltron yeah. together, yeah. then it's yeah. it's a little bit more powerful because of like. 
you coming with the business sense. Oh, but if you do this model, I know for a fact, and I'm just trying to pay homage. I know for a fact there's a couple books that uh that, that Brother Jackson got that I know if you read it from front to two or three of them, you might be a millionaire. I think. <laughs> <laughs> if you practice it, if you practice, if you practice yeah. it, and That's I right. know for a fact if you know I work and maybe I go to medical school to, and, and work up on Dr. Brown, I might be the man. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. right. But as far as that concerned, when 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 folks see that, when they see the merger, or when they see us all together in in our perspective roles. And then we're together, um, they're like, oh, this is serious. Yes. This is, yeah. They're yeah. very serious yeah. about what they're talking about, and they're very, I guess, passionate as well. But whatever industry it is, but it always has to work together. Right. You know, you yeah. said something real important a few minutes ago. You used the word practice, right? Mm -hmm. Remember Dr. Tom, uh, Tom Morris, he talked about life being a practice, mm. right? And that was an aha moment for me. And mm. he said something about the practice of practice, right? Because mm -hmm. I've always wondered why they call the, you know, the medical practice or yeah. the law practice, but that's exactly what it is. Mm. Each and every day as you face different scenarios and all of a sudden the different scenarios, you begin to fit them into fundamental constructs because you can begin to connect the dots and say, well, okay, this is, a little different, but it's so similar to this, and so this is how I resolve it. And right. this is so you begin to create those constructs that allow you to be able to solve problems because fundamentally, yeah, you've created those solutions because it comes back to the fundamentals, and the fundamental is reading, right? Right, right, right. And and if you read, research says that the more the more and the better you can read, yeah, you can do math. Yes. And so it all ties together. You can do math, you can do science. Exactly. Oh, man. And so <laughs> we have to be able to get the word out around the importance of the fundamentals to the youth. Mm. And, for instance, you know, you hear young men talk about, well, I don't like math. I say, but do you play basketball? Mm -hmm. yeah. So when you shoot that jump shot and you shoot it off the glass, it's a 45-degree angle, or it might be another angle depending on how close you are. Did you mm -hmm. Have you ever considered that? Yeah. Well, that jump shot is geometry. Right. Right? And and your, so your brain is already doing it, so you know that you can right, do it because right. you're making these moves on the basketball court. Now we need to show you how to get it done fundamentally on paper. Right. Big, big. That's yeah. the intersection. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. I tell you guys, we have blown through the hour. It has been fantastic. Oh, wow. I feel like we could be you know, here for <laughs> hours and yeah. hours. Yes. You know, we want to really thank our audience for sticking with us. And mm -hmm. if you want to see us, obviously it's Unlikely Intersections on Facebook. It's also unlikelyintersection.com. It's Unlikely Intersections on YouTube. Uh, for me personally, it's Doc Philip Brown on LinkedIn or docphilipbrown.com. And Terry? You can find me on LinkedIn at Terry Jackson, PhD. You can find me all over Facebook as well. Uh, it's been a pleasure having Big B with us today. Man, it's been an honor, man. Thank y'all. And where do we find you? I mean, other than oh, all over man, the radio. Oh, man, I'm, I'm um, Big B on Instagram, B-I-G-G-B, -G -G 1906 on Instagram. I'm Big B on Facebook. You just type B-I-G-G -G space B, or uh, I think that's it. Is that it? I think that's it. Well, we can, can find email we, me. Well, the radio Big station. B. Yeah, you can. Oh, Coast 97.3. I'm on every day, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. I'm on, on the air, but I'm there at 9 o'clock. Lord. <laughs> well, we have a good time we have a good time man. all right well we'll see you guys at the next intersection <laughs>